Welcome to the Anonymous Podcast. This episode will be It Works, How and Why Studying Commentary. The aim is to provide insight to and context of the material within our book, It Works, How and Why. Alright folks, this is not a meeting of Narcotics Anonymous. However, there are going to be some similarities in how the study will be conducted. Each study will have the audio recorded and then published to the Anonymous Podcast. The overall goal is to provide commentary of the text toward reaching those seeking a resource like this. We know if one person benefits from our efforts, we collectively believe, even including us, then our participation was well worth the effort. We're going to start off with our introduction, and then we're going to jump into the text. Get a pen, a highlighter, and get ready to go. Enjoy. All right. Welcome back, everyone. The it Works How and Why study for the Anonymous podcast this is episode six. We begin on page 21, all the way at the bottom with many of us. But first, we're going to give our introductions. Lee P., what's happening? Hey, Doug, what's good to be back? Lee, I had a uh, clean date, August 27, 1987. My home group is the hybrid meeting of the Open Mind Monday nights. Thanks. Thanks, Lee. What's up, Lisa? Hey, I'm Lisa. I'm an addict. My clean date is February 25th, 2012. My home group is Monday Night Miracles in Meadville, and I attend meetings in the Central Western Pennsylvania area. Thanks, Lisa. What's up, Jane A? Hey, everybody. Jane A here from the Pacific Northwest, Salem, Oregon. Clean date is 12-22-79, and my home group is the Thursday Noon Basic Tech Study. Thanks, Jane. What's up, Barb? Hey, Douglas, it's Barbar. I'm from Fort Walton Beach, Florida, and my clean date is 10495. And my home group is the um, hybrid open mind meeting at 730 on Monday. Open mind. Thanks, Barb. What's up, Andrew? Hey, y'all. Andrew G here. Uh, clean date, May 16th, 2008. My home group is no matter what in North Atlanta, Georgia. Thanks, Andrew. What's up, Eric? Hey, what up, fam? My name is Eric. I'm an addict. Uh, clean date, September 16th, 2019. And my home group is Friday Night Clean. That's in the Suncoast area, NA, Bradenton, Florida. Thanks, Eric. What's up, Christine? Hey there, Christine O. My clean date is March 31st, 1994. And I attend meetings in the Tidewater and Virginia Beach area of Virginia. Thanks, Christine. What's up, Paul? Hey, Douglas. Paul M. I'm an addict. Um, I attend meetings in New Orleans, Louisiana. My clean date is January 6, 1995, and my home group is Open Mind on Monday night. Thanks, Paul. What's up, Jennifer? Hi, everyone. My name is Jennifer, and I'm an addict. My clean date is November 27, 1992. I live in Sacramento, California, and my home group is uh, The Journey Within. Thanks, Jennifer. What's up, Eva? Hi, everybody. My name is Eva P, and <laughs> I am in the Mid-Willamette Valley area, which is Salem, Oregon. My clean date is June 10th, 2000, and uh, my home group is the Do It Hard meeting. Thank you. Thanks, Eva. And Eva, I know you're coming up on 23 years clean, and uh, it's much better when you get 23 years. So just hang on, and you stay clean a day at a time. All right, it's it's coming. All right, folks, I'm at it. My name's Douglas. I got clean March 12, 2000 in Southwestern PA. I stay in the Raleigh, North Carolina area now. All right, here we go. Episode six, It Works How and Why for the Anonymous Podcast. So page 21, all the way at the bottom, many of us. Jane, would you be willing to read the first two and comment? Yeah, 
Sure, I'd be happy to. Thanks, Doug. Many of us use spiritual principles as a power greater than ourselves. We come to realize, believe that by practicing these principles in our lives, we can be restored sanity. This makes sense to us because we've tried many times to think ourselves into a better way of life. We usually had good intentions, but our day-to-day -day existence rarely measured up to those intentions. Trying it the other way, practicing a better way of life by living according to spiritual principles will eventually have an effect on our thinking. It is not necessary that we define for ourselves the entire concept of a power greater than ourselves. Those of us with many years of recovery find that our understanding of a higher power changes over time. Our belief grows, as does our faith. We come to believe in a power which can help us far more than we originally thought. Yeah. Why, I sure, I really relate to that good intentions. I was a lady of good intentions uh, for so many years. Um, not just with the bills, but with my work, <laughs> with my children. You know, I, I intended to do a lot of things and uh, never lived up to them until I finally just stopped trying. Um, he, uh, looking back on it, I still have some uh, regrets and uh, about, especially with the kids, about I would, intended on visiting them. I intended on buying milk tonight. I intended on paying the heating bill and uh, never got to it. So, But I do like the idea. I do like the idea, even though it seems so slow to just practice a better way of life of living by the spiritual principles. And, and I got to tell you, it took me a while to actually hear them tell me what the spiritual principles were. They talked about it long before I picked up that flat book. And uh, I'm very grateful for that flat book, even though it's very daunting in the beginning. It's pretty darn nice to have the spiritual principles actually outlined and spoken and explained on which ones I was, and it eventually did have an effect on my thinking. Um, so, and the other part of it is that belief grows as does our faith and it changes over time. And I'm grateful that the uh, program and fellowship especially allows me that leeway, that I didn't have to come in here and believe in a specific kind of God or even God at all. Uh, that that happened over a period of time, a very long period of time. And uh, they just loved me and kept welcoming me back until I found one that suited me and nobody else. So if you're listening out there and uh, and you're doing a whole lot of talking and then you are believing, it's okay. It, it just takes time to uh, uh, be able to do any of this stuff. <laughs> so... Um, I had a lot of intentions of spiritual practices, too, before I actually did it. I did a lot of uh, talking about it in meetings. God, did I sound good in the beginnings of the meetings with dropping little spiritual bombs all over the place. I don't know. But uh, it just took <laughs> a lot of practice before I started walking it. So thanks. Thanks for those comments, Jane. So, Paul. Thanks, Douglas. Uh, this makes sense to us because we have tried many times to think ourselves to think ourselves into a better way of life, and that was that was me. I was, you know, thinking about stopping using many times. Uh, <laughs> I was not doing the action, however. And when I got here, you, you know, you said y'all told me I, I could 
I could act my way into right thinking, not think my way into right action. And that was, I didn't really understand it at first. And it took some time to kind of say, just do the thing, whatever the thing was, go to the meeting, call your sponsor, uh, pick up a pen and start writing, whatever the thing was. And that, but don't try to figure it out. <laughs> and then act the way it's it, thing. And that was just, that was kind of eye-opening for like, just like, you don't have to want to do it. You don't have to feel like doing it. You don't just do it. And that stopped a lot of stuff, you know, that, that just freed up so much that I could just do it and not have a, an opinion about it, not have to, you know, justify it, not just do it. And that was a new way of life for me. That was a new way of living. So I, um, you know, this defining the concept of a power greater than ourselves. I, I like the spiritual principles that, you know, I, I listen, I am, I have a lot of religion in my background, so I'm not, you know, a concept of God doesn't scare me. Uh, me trying to stop using scared me more than the concept of God. Cause I, I had failed so many times at that and was unable to do that. So, um, you know, relying on something else to help me with that, whatever that was, was fine. Um, but the actual, you know, doing it was the, was the tough part and, and trusting you all more than I trust a power greater than myself, trusting you all that you were going to, because I, you know, for a long time, I thought this is going to work for y'all, but I'm not sure if it's going to work for me. And um, I, I tried a lot of ways to get out of here. In fact, I got out of here once and, and came back. So uh, it, listen, if, you're, if you are in the place where you've tried this and you are trying to get back, come back, just do the right action, go to those meetings. And look, they're still aggravating and those people are still fucking each other and it's all still a shit show, but it's better than the shit show you're in. I know that because it was better than the shit show I was in, so. Thanks. Thanks for those comments, Paul. What's up, Jennifer? Thanks, Douglas. Um, I think the part, the, the, the second sentence was, we come to believe that practicing these principles in our lives, we can be restored to sanity. And, and I don't know if I knew that to be true when I was new, because I didn't even know what a spiritual principle was. But I, I was really grateful that, you know, the, the, the sponsor that I have now, I had a couple uh years I think and um she wrote down she's a teacher so she got all her little colored pens and wrote down all the spiritual principles in different colors that related to each step a piece of paper and I still have it and it's all yellowed and has holes in it and whatever but anytime that I would be having a conversation with her or I'd be working on a step I'd be able to kind of look at that you know um because I don't know you know, like the internet wasn't as accessible. I mean, I have to say, you know, back in my day, right? So like we couldn't just Google, you know, the 12, what are the principles of the 12 steps, right? Like you had to fucking work and you had to ask people because we didn't have a flat book, you know what I mean? Like it was work. So it was like, by the time I got to it and I was looking at it, it was like, oh, and 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 it used to like, like have these little epiphanies, like, oh, like, I didn't, it did the two didn't mean anything to me until I put them together. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. And so the sanity piece for me was really about 
once, and Paul said it, as I act as if, right, all of a sudden, things start changing. You know, my belief system starts to change. I start to actually feel good about the way that I'm portraying myself, you know, either in the fellowship or with other people. And with that, um, that's kind of how my faith in the process and then the faith, you know, in a higher power where it talks about in the second paragraph, it grows. So does our faith. You know, um, I didn't have any desire, zero desire, um, to have a higher power that was going to somehow have in my world, um, control, um, of my life. Right. Uh, I wanted to be in control and I still suffer from that today. The difference is, is today I desire to have my higher power in my life and guide me and direct me. Do I always follow it? No. Do I always take the opposite fork in the road? Not always anymore. You know what I mean? And sometimes I stop right before I get there and I go, oh, where before I just ran down the road that felt good. Right. And usually if it felt good when I was new, I probably shouldn't do it. Um, that was kind of my gauge. If it felt good, do it. If it was uncomfortable or don't do it. If it's uncomfortable, don't, you know, run that way and go do that. Um, so, and today my faith and belief that if I step into the will of my higher power, uh, and Doug talks about illuminating the path, um, you know, the odds that I'm going to have the experience that I, you know, and I'm seeing and I have a good experience are, are way better today. So with that, I'm going to pass. Thanks for those comments, Jennifer. Yeah, what, what, what I was thinking about when, when, when you folks were making that comment, that I have to look at that as, is like the start of an awakening of my spirit when I actually desire to be in, in relationship with a power greater than myself and not in avoidance of, you know, and, 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 uh, I think Paul, you and I, we talked about that one time. It was like, uh, um, the opposite of, of being in this, in uh, like a, like an intimate relationship with a power greater than myself is like, whatever I'm doing right now, I'm going to put up this imaginary tent and this is a roof or, you know, whatever. And HP can't see it. It can't be involved in it. You know, it's right here. I'm like, I'm right here. You know, this is, and it's fucking crazy. Yeah. Food, sex, or money, you know, whatever the manifestation is. It's like, all right, God, you take all of this, except over here, except this. And and over here, this is the fucking thing that makes, makes my life unmanaged. It causes me the most pain and people around me the most pain. And, uh, and, and man, and that's the, and that's the thing left to my own devices, though, I stay stuck there. You know, that's been my experience with that. All right, Eric, could you read the next two, bro? Man, I hope uh, higher power can't see through my bed sheets. That'd be embarrassing. As we search for understanding of a higher power, we can talk with our sponsor and other recovering addicts. We may, we may ask them what their idea of a higher power is and how they have arrived at it. This may open our minds to possibilities we hadn't considered before. While it is useful to question others about their spiritual beliefs, we must remember that our understanding of a power greater than ourselves is up to each individual. Others can help us. We may even adopt the ideas of someone else for a while or just believe that they believe. Eventually, however, we need to come to believe for ourselves. The need for our own sense of spirituality is too vital to our recovery for us to neglect this highly personal process. I like that they emphasize that, you know, and it's emphasized uh, elsewhere as well, like, this is a spiritual program of all my needs. My spiritual needs are the greatest, you know, it's the most important part of this program. And um, yeah, I remember like talking to people and trying to like understand this conception that people would try to get across with words. And it just didn't, 
do the trick for me. Like it was all conceptual at that point. What happened was I started going to an 11 step meeting and we meditated at that meeting. And I started to experience what I could recognize as a higher power and be like present with it. And that was better than any kind of words or other people's, um, you know, conceptions did for me was experiencing it personally, man. But it did help, you know, and I, and I would talk to my sponsor, man, 32 years clean. He'd still say the love of the fellowship, you know, spiritual principles. He would still say that those things are his higher power. He didn't have some kind of like convoluted idea of a higher power. It was very simple, you know, it was very simple, but it was like almost beyond words, you know. And so um, I'm glad, I'm glad that I was given that freedom, you know, because if I was told, I might have rejected and all I was told was to seek, you know, and um, so I'm grateful for that, man. Those are my comments. Hey, thanks for those comments, Eric. I, I, I want to uh, thank you for saying about, you know, uh, the HP not not kind of seen under the bed sheets because it is funny, man. You know, it's it, it's funny, but dude, the exact nature is, and like my experience, I, I kept that for about 20 years. I really did, man. I kept that for 20 years. And then... It's been a cool journey, man, asking God to come into my sex life. It, it really has been. Look, check it out. I I, I, w I was writing a couple questions on in, in the four step in the flat book today about the sex and, you know, where it talks about, like, are you comfortable with your sexuality, other sexuality, the shame and stuff like that? Dude, I was able to say no shame. Yeah, I'm cool with where I'm at. It's fucking weird, but I'm cool with where I'm at, you know, and I'm cool with where you're at, because if you get all this, you're probably fucking weird, too. But man, it, it, it's, it's been, it's been a beautiful, it's been a fucking beautiful thing, man, inviting God into my sex life for real, man. It's been beautiful. Christine, what's happening? Hey there. What strikes me um, in this section is we can believe that they believe. And um, I had a hard time really believing at first. And I come from a background of strict organized religion and um, it took me a while. And then it dawned on me that I can believe that you believe without having to believe what you believe. And that was a freedom for me and being able to take what I wanted and leave the rest. There are certain aspects of different religions that um that i do keep without having to be all or nothing um but that was just something that was really important to me when i first came around and i knew from talking to people that they were so entrenched and mesmerized by you know there are none so righteous as the newly converted all about you know they finally are have come to believe and I'm just trying to be a sponge and soak up and steal any aspect that I feels like, oh, well, that feels right. You know, I can keep that. I'll put that in my little toolbox for a little while. Um, but being able to be open-minded and listen to suggestions from people that I knew believed without having to believe what they believed. Um, and just being able to take what would work for me and leave the rest. So that's all I got. Thanks. Thanks for his comments, Christine. What's up, Lee? Hey, guys. Good to be back. And uh, perfect timing, Christine. There's a second line band that just probably turned the corner, so you guys won't be able to hear the music. Um, it's very distracting. Uh, when when uh, Eric was talking about this, I, I all of a sudden 
for a moment, I twinged and then I filled up with gratitude. Um, like Paul said, when I got here, I had had a, a real long background with religion and, and it wasn't pretty and it wasn't nice. And so when I got here and heard God, I used to cringe. And my gratitude for my first sponsor, because um, he would, I don't know why he would take the time with me, but he would take the time because I would, you know, somebody would share some God stuff in a meeting and that I would be ready to like kill them. And he would see me and pull me to the side and take me outside. And he would say, Lee, remember we discussed this. And I would say, what? And he would say, I told you, just, just believe that I believe. And it would take him like maybe five minutes to calm me down to the point where I would be able to hear him again. And then I would say, yeah, that's right. I agreed to that. I agreed to that. And it took literally months. So, so if you're struggling <clears throat> with the concept of God or God or no God or uh, what we develop in this process, it's okay. Because I never, I never thought I would end up with a relationship with the power greater than myself because it became love at some point it became uh the group at some point um and it would take way too long for me to explain the entire process because it's been slowly over a period of time but what what is important <clears throat> and what what is is noteworthy is that i have this trust now with this power that I can place anything there, even, even what happens in the bed sheets. And I'm glad Douglas uh, expounded on that. Um, I don't know, back in 98 or 99, 2000, I was a swinger. And I felt all this shame because of my sexuality with you know, multiple women and, and rooms full of people having sex. And, and I had a criminal defense attorney lawyer uh, at a sponsor at the time, he said, well, why don't you just invite your higher power into that? And I did. And ever since then, whatever I'm doing, I know my my God is watching and, and doesn't disapprove of my healthy sexuality. So that's plenty out of me, guys. Thanks. Thanks for those comments, Lee. And if you folks go to the Facebook page, there's a swinger sign up group. All right, no, I'm just joking. Fuck it. We should probably cut that out before we <laughs> that part I don't think is gonna make it to the make it to the air. Yeah. But... All right, stop it. Barb, could you jump in and read the next two, please? We're we're at the bottom of 22 with for us. Please, Barb, get us back on track. <laughs> I'm too busy giggling. <laughs> okay, for us, part of the process of coming to believe is accepting the evidence we see. Our addiction caused us to deny the truths we saw, but now in recovery, we can believe what we see. At first, we open our minds and try something new, somehow believing that what we try might work. After we take a few small steps towards belief and trust and see results, we become willing to take bigger steps. We find that we are no longer acting as if we believe. Our belief is now reinforced with our own personal experience, some of which is unexplainable. We sometimes encounter remarkable coincidences in our lives that have no rational expl explanation. We don't need to explain or analyze these occurrences. We can simply accept that they happen and be grateful for them. 
The longer we stay clean, the more evident it becomes that our addiction goes much deeper than the drugs we used. Much of our problem seems to center in our search for something to make us feel whole. It is a tremendous struggle to stop relying on our own reasoning and ask for help, especially given the self-centered nature of our disease. However, we are becoming open-minded and realizing that we don't have all the answers. We begin to find some humility. We may not grasp the full impact of what being humble means, but our open-mindedness assures us that we have found and have begun to demonstrate this valuable quality. And that was exactly how it happened for me when it said, um, for us, part of the process of coming to believe is accepting the evidence we see, you know, and I, I tested it. I think somebody said it, it was a process and it took a while. And, um, you know, I, I, when I first, when I first came in, I was, I just, you know, got rid of the hell and brimstone and didn't give it much thought, you know, and just, just did what you guys told me to do, you know, and then, then as, as I've went along, you know, but I was testing, like that said, I was watching, I was testing, I was doing what you said, I was praying, and then I was paying attention, and I saw results, I saw unexplicable things happen, um, and, and today I know that there are no coincidences, you know, and, and um, we can simply accept that they happen and be grateful for them, but I pay attention to them because they're usually lessons, or they're spiritual awakenings, or they're spiritual rewards, they're all kinds of stuff, you know, and I don't want to miss that shit. And then I like it is it, it is not necessary that, that we define for ourselves the entire concept of a power greater than ourselves. I, I, I today have an unshakable faith in, and I can't tell you in what I pray and I can't tell you to what I, I work hard not to uh, define it, not to give it human characteristics. Um, I read the Tao in early recovery and that helped me because I had a trouble with a male deity. You know, I had trouble with a deity anyway, but especially a male, you know, I was abandoned by my dad. I was in abusive relationships. Why do I want a male God, you know? And um, I read the Tao and it was very healing for me in early recovery. It said he, she, it, you know, and I really like that. And I try to, I try to incorporate that now, or I try to just be that blank slate, you know, and just know that there is, you know, the fifth. The sister fellowship says deep down in every man, woman, and child is the concept of a, a higher power. You know, I believe that. I I, I know that. You know, because um, so I don't have to question today. I just I just know that there's something, and and there's a guy in the meetings that says I don't need to know if the egg came before the chicken, or you know, I don't need to understand it. I just know that it is. You know, that there's something um, assists me in my recovery. So that's it for me. Thanks. Thanks for those comments, Barb. What's up, Lisa? Man, I relate to so much of what Barb just shared um, that I didn't know was coming when I put my hand up. Um, I struggled a lot with the idea of a male God too, you know, because I was abandoned and emotionally abused by my father on earth. And I joke all the time, like, how do I trust invisible sky daddy if I can't trust my real dad on earth, right? Um, and I, I like where it says about part of the process of coming to believe is accepting the evidence we see. Um, I say all the time that like I'm an evidence-based person because growing up, a lot of people told me they would do a lot of things that didn't come through. Um, I had a lot of trust issues, so I needed to see that process working. Um, and some of that was watching Narcotics Anonymous work in the lives of other addicts that um, I came into the program with you know, like people that I had used with people that I like, I know how shitty you can be because I was shitty right there with you before, you know, we came into the program. And 
you know, I remember specifically like watching someone celebrate their first year clean and thinking like you lying son of a bitch, there is no way. Cause I know what you are. Right. And really, like, I think I was talking to myself in some ways, um, because later on down in this piece of the reading, it talks about like the humility piece and like relying on our own reasoning. I did a lot of that back then. And um, my own reasoning was like, I didn't believe that I could do it. So I didn't believe when you said you were doing it either. Um, and then I realized watching this person celebrate that I was watching reality unfold because I had been sitting there for that year too. Um, and that was sort of when my resentment towards higher power, my resistance towards, you know, the God concept, um, you know, I, I really had a change of heart and I allowed the program to become my higher power before I ever had a relationship with God. Um, so for me, like the process of coming to believe that a power greater than me could restore me to sanity was just like, Hey, maybe the 12 steps work, you know, um, it had nothing to do with God. It had nothing to do with anything like overly. Well, it is, I understand now that it is spiritual. It's extremely spiritual, but in the moment to me, it was just like, Hey, maybe if I sit down and do what I'm told and do some of this writing shit, you know, those who recover today are more fortunate. I did grow up in NA with the flat book. Um, you know, if I do some of those things that maybe it'll work because I'm seeing it work for other people and watching them change. Um, but I like that humility piece. And as you guys are sharing on like the food, sex and money, I'm going to jump on the sex train for a second. It's not something I talk a lot about. Um, cause I tend to keep those matters like maybe more private, but, um, I'm, I'm working on some step seven and eight stuff with myself right now, where like, I realize I've, I've shared with you guys a little bit about having an affair in my marriage five fucking years ago. Um, and I've been trying to welcome God into that process, um, for the last like year or so. And some of you guys have really been instrumental in that for me. Um, but I've had this like little spiritual awakening really this week, um, that nobody cares, but me. Nobody cares but me, right? And I've been beating myself up and that's my ego. That's my own lack of humility, right? That's my disease and my disconnect from God, my character defect that tells me like, I'm so fucking bad that I need to carry the weight of that guilt for the rest of forever. And I don't deserve any good things because of it, right? And, uh, you know, I talked to some people about it this week and literally everybody's like, man, let it go. Let it go. Let God handle it. You know, welcome God in, let yourself have healthy relationships. Cause I'm, you know, uh, getting married again, um, and trying really hard, you know, not to fuck it up. And, um, that's been a really beautiful process also like welcoming God. And I feel lighter. I feel lighter this week. Um, I think it's, it's just really interesting how, like just staying in that process, no matter how long it takes and how painful it is, um, you know, really kind of helps me get to the other side. Um, so thank you guys. And thank you everybody who listened to me talk about that this week. Thanks for those comments, Lisa. What's up, Andrew? Um, yeah, man, I've had so much ID um, with what everybody shared tonight. And I, I like I really appreciate that you guys are so willing to get vulnerable about this stuff because it's huge. And um, I I love hearing that from people because it inspire it inspires me to do the same. You know, for a long time I carried I carried a lot of guilt and shame in recovery um because I felt like I'm supposed to talk about drugs and that's it. Right. And like this other food, sex, money piece, like you keep that shit to yourself, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and it, it, 
I'm just so grateful. I'm so grateful that there are people talking about this and narcotics anonymous that I get to hear that message that like, man, like it is okay. And you can give yourself some grace. Um, you know, I was, I was thinking about this moment. I kind of flashed back when I talked about, uh, the HP and our belief now is reinforced with our own personal experience. Some of which is unexplainable. I, the first, like, God moment that I had in recovery was like, I had just gotten out of the treatment center and I went to the pharmacy with this guy who was in my halfway house and it was taken for fucking ever for him to get his meds. And I just really wanted a cigarette. And I was just like, I, my whole life was falling apart. And I was like, just this 19 year old kid. And I was just like, fuck, like none of this is ever going to be good again. You know, I mean, I really remember connecting with that feeling of like, I don't know how I'm ever going to fucking fix things. I don't know how I'm ever going to be happy again. And I walked outside the Kroger and I looked up and my dad was right there. And my dad is in, he's in the other fellowship. He's, he's got 10 years on me, right? He got, um, he got sober in 98 and he's had this big fucking grin on his face. And he's just like, Hey bud, what's up? And I was just like, dad, I'm fucking dying right now, <laughs> you know, and I was able to talk with him and he talked me off the ledge. And it's such a, you know, we're not that far from the house that I grew up in. It makes perfect sense. But it was one of those first things that I was like, that's the higher power, right? That I could say, like, this isn't coincidence. It isn't, you know, whatever, like this is God doing for me what I can't do for myself, um, you know. And then when it goes down, uh, much of our problem seems to center in our search for something to make us feel whole. It is a tremendous struggle to stop relying on our own reasoning and ask for help, especially given the self-centered nature of our disease. However, we are becoming open-minded. I love that, man, that like, you know, I have to remember that this is a process, this being restored to sanity thing is like, it is a process that lasts my whole life. You know, um, I'm still working on becoming open-minded, you know, um, and part of that, I think what it looks like is when I have those things in the metaphorical tent, the like <laughs> Andrew's tent that I'm not giving to God, like, you know, when it talked about earlier in step two about opposite action, right. About, you know, acting my way into better thinking, like that's the shit that I can do today. You know, is that when I when I feel the compulsion to like, I don't need to turn this over. I don't need to tell anybody I can deal with this after the fact, whatever it is, you know, like I can just be open minded about it and kick it to somebody else and say, what do you think? You know, um, I'm really fucking grateful for that today. Thanks. Thanks for those comments, Andrew. What's up, Jennifer? I am. Um... The, the first couple sentences in that first paragraph we read, you know, for us, the part of the process of coming to believe is accepting the evidence we see. Man, it is evident in my life today that Narcotics Anonymous works, right? Like if I take a step back and look at my life, it's pretty unbelievable for a girl like me, you know, for an addict like me. And, um, but this is the kicker. It says addiction caused us to deny the truth we saw addiction continues sometimes um, to cause me to deny the truths that I see. And this is why I keep coming here. You know, um, uh, it, it talks about the, the longer we stay clean, the more evident it becomes that our addiction goes much deeper than the drugs that we use. It's the greater aspect of my disease, right? Drugs were the, 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 not the problem, right? Like the obsession of my mind is the problem, right? And if I don't come to Narcotics Anonymous, if I don't find a way to get a higher power that works in my life to relieve me of the obsession, um, I'm fucked, period, end of story, you know, and um, 
And, and even today with all of the evidence, and I'm a big, like, when I got here, I wanted to touch it and feel it. I wanted to see a burning bush. I wanted some angels singing from the sky. I wanted these huge, I wanted you to part the sea and let me walk through it. So God would be there because more is better, bigger is better. So, um, you know, these small pieces of my life over the years that I've been able to see um, are my evidence, man. But if I am not in a place where I can see the truth, that doesn't matter, you know? And, um, and that's why I continue to do this. And, and so when on the days, you know, and I'll tell you right now, you know, I think you just walked behind me while I was talking. You know, I have a 16-year-old son who is making decisions in his life um, that as a, an, an addict and a parent are very scary for me, right? Um, and, and I've been reminded over and over again that I have a higher power. He has a higher power. Higher power loves us. But it does not mean that I want to see the worst in the situation and be obsessed with the idea that I did something wrong, right? Um, and I probably did, right? Like I'm a human being, you know, but I mean, there are plenty of things that I've done right. And I, for a minute in the last couple of days, on and off, I've been fighting this battle of I have a higher power that loves me. He has a higher power that loves him. We're okay. You know what I mean? Um, to, I'm the worst parent ever. I totally fucked my kid up. You know, he's going to die an addict. You know what I mean? Like it's this whole thing. Um, and I don't get to decide any of that, right? So I have to, I have to step back. I have to see the evidence of my life, and um, and see the truth, you know, instead of deny the truth. I'm a good mom. Narcotics Anonymous has given me the ability to do some really cool shit, like never having my children see me get loaded, right? Like I've gotten to do that, and um, and I need to own that and, and model behavior so that if that is the case, someday maybe or not, he'll know where to go no matter what. I'll pass with that. Thanks. And thanks for those comments, Jennifer. It gives me a lot of reassurance when I hear people clean a long time talking about how their, their thought patterns are still one extreme to the other, you know, and still, and just being able to, to kick that out. And then the cool thing is, and like the hope shot is like the action items are based in sanity. So if I, you know, am I, am I working with other people? Am I attending meetings? Am I doing the things that, that, that I do on good days and bad days? It's like, yeah, man, just like we read a few, a few paragraphs before and we do the action, let our emotions catch up, you know, thank God that I'm not driven just by what I think or, or, or how I feel. Yeah. It's a nasty way to live. Eva, can you read the next two, please? Starting at the bottom of 23, our humility. Sure. Thanks. Our humility and open-mindedness make us teachable. We allow others to share what has worked for them. This takes humility or we must let go of our fears about how we may appear to others. Some of the strongest suggestions we may receive from other addicts are to attend meetings, ask for help, pray, and work steps. Our experience has shown that our, our experience has shown us that belief in a higher power leads us towards recovery in Narcotics Anonymous. People tend to live what they believe, and our newfound belief calls on us to live the program. No matter what we choose for our personal higher power, we come to believe that NA works. We live what we believe by continuing on a path, on our path of recovery and working the 12 steps to the best of our ability. Even after years clean, we have been working a program of, when we've been working a program of recovery and seeking change, we may at times experience periods when life seems meaningless. 
we may experience a sense of alienation too painful to ignore. At such times, we may find ourselves moving away from sanity, not toward it. We may begin to question our commitment to, to recovery. We, we become obsessed with self-destructive thoughts. We may feel an urge to fall back on what seems easier, the familiar ways of our addiction. During these times, we need to renew our commitment to recovery. We trust that we are undergoing a fundamental transformation, even though we may not yet understand its full implication for our lives. As painful as it seems, we must change. If we trust that there is a growth despite the pain, we can walk through these difficult periods more readily. I see where you're going with this. You know I'm crazy, right? So I get the part about going to insanity. Uh -huh. That's cool. I get it. He's all my bad. Mm -hmm, here. Um, no, seriously. Uh, there's a few things in here. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of things in this. These two paragraphs that I personally relate to. Um, first of all, um, a friend of mine early in recovery um, always you know, where it says our humility in the first line, it says our humility and open-mindedness make us teachable. And the first thing, when I didn't, when I first got here and I didn't believe in a higher power, um, I was taught good orderly direction um, because I was offended by the word God because, you know, I was holier than thou and don't you know who I was. And so my friend Barbara taught me good orderly direction instead of God's TOD was good orderly direction. And I could handle that instead of being offended by the word God. And um, and that helped me get through that. Um, this part about take it takes humility that we must let go of our fears about how we may appear to others. I still struggle with that. I do have a look good still. Um, I think because, um, well, I have some stuff from my childhood that I'm still working on that I found in my relationship stuff that um, about being poor and always having the worst of things and hand-me-downs that I have to buy the best of things. And um, and I'm working on that. And I and I just found that at, at 22 and three quarter years, Douglas, um, <laughs> years clean. I'm I'm only saying that because he teases me that he has 23 years and mine's just like a couple months away. I have 22 years clean, whatever. And um, this part about um, even after years clean working, a, 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 and I worked a program um, seeking change, you know, times we have, with times in my life that I uh, felt meaningless and Usually those are times that um, I'm in my character defects. <laughs> At least that's what I have found in my in my recovery that when my life seems meaningless and I'm feeling uh, experiencing some alienation too painful to ignore, it's when I'm living in character defects. And um, that's just my experience. And 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 maybe that's not everybody's. Maybe you just have your own experience but my experience is and sometimes it's mental health sometimes I'm just living in um in alienation because I'm isolating but isolation for me is a character defect 
isolation for me is a is a is a is a defect of my character because I make a choice sometimes to do that. Sometimes I it's not a choice. Sometimes it's my mental health and I just can't get out of bed. Maybe that's a choice. <laughs> I have to look at that. Okay. Now I have to, now I really have to, dang it, I'm gonna have to write about it. Okay. I'm kind of manic today, so I'm sorry. Um, however, I'm going to tell a story really quick. I'm try to keep it under three minutes. Um, when I become obsessed and self-destructive, when I move away from sanity with several years clean, this is what happens. I live in character defects. I get away from meetings. I become self-destructive. And I become very, very insane. And what happens is that every day that I stay away from you, I move closer to getting loaded. And every day that I do that is a day that I'm asking to get that I'm asking to die because I personally, uh, with the mental health that I have, get suicidal. So, um, what what happened for me was my sponsor called me one day and asked me to go for a walk because I did this. I was having an affair after several years of being married. Um, how many years? Eight years of marriage. I had an affair and um, and then I was um gambling i mean you name it eating shopping <laughs> anything bad i could do i was doing and um it all stemmed from whatever doesn't matter because i was doing it the the why is irrelevant because i could have made different choices so my sponsor called me up one day and she said, you're insane and you're going to get loaded. So this is what you need to do. You're going to go to a meeting a day for 90 days. You're going to get a phone list. I've said this before. You guys have heard it. And um, you're going to have to call somebody on that phone list like a newcomer. And um, it says right here, during these times, we need to renew our, our commitment to recovery. And at 14 years clean, that's what I did. Just like I had two days clean. And if you don't think it works, I'm sitting here with never having to change a clean date. Never having to change a clean date. Didn't, didn't have to, you know, didn't have to uh, put a gun to my head. Didn't have to put a needle in my arm. And um, this is a fundamental transformation. Not only that, but I got so involved with Narcotics Anonymous and fell in love with Narcotics Anonymous like I never had before. Like it was better than it had ever been. And um, there was more growth in that 90 days than I think that there ever was in the 13 years that I, maybe not that much, but in probably the first five years that I was ever in Narcotics Anonymous for sure. So um, if you don't think that this program works, like try doing in a meeting a day for 90 days, getting a phone list and calling somebody on that phone list every day for those 90 days. That's all I got. Thanks.
Thanks for those comments, Ava. What's up, Christine? Hey there. Um, Eva, for me, it was 18 years clean. At 18 years clean, um, I the people in my circle, we just call it the breakdown because I totally thought I was losing my mind. I was ready to check myself in somewhere. Um, but my circumstances were different because I was still doing all of the things that we do in Narcotics Anonymous. I had a home group, I had a service position, I was sponsoring women, I had a sponsor. The thing was, is I was complacent at 18 years. I was going to the same meetings every week. I was seeing the same people every week. I was, it was just like textbook complacency. I wasn't getting fed anymore. Um, and I really thought I was going to have to check myself in somewhere because I didn't think I was going to get out of it clean. Like the despair that I had was the same that I felt when the drug stopped working. Like I couldn't stop using, but the drugs, I wasn't getting high anymore. Um, and I was going to meetings and I was talking to all the people that I always talked to, but I wasn't getting solutions anymore. And um, it says, we trust that we are undergoing a fundamental transformation, even though we may not yet understand its full implication for our lives. As painful as it seems, we must change. Um, I ended up getting a new home group. I started going to meetings in a different city than I had normally been going to. And all I kept thinking was I have to broaden my base. I have to broaden my base. And um, it was, I feel like there had been three different phases in my recovery that has just totally hung a hard left and sent me down another path um, on in the same journey. And that was one of those life-changing times for me um, because it got me re-energized in recovery and working with newcomers and knowing that I didn't have to change my clean date. And I went back to the basics too. So I'm just reiterating what Eva said. I started, you know, I was going to meetings every day. I was talking to different people. I was broadening my base. I got a new home group with a new service commitment and, um, and it still worked and it gave me hope. And I'm just so grateful. But if you're out there and you feel like you'll have a lot of clean time and your life is good, but it's, you're not happy and it's falling apart, like go to some different meetings. I have been there <laughs> and back to the basics will spur that energy once again. So it really lit a fire under me. So that's all I have on that. Thanks. Thanks for those comments, Christine. I was waiting for Lee to jump in, start saying, <laughs> don't move away from the basics. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> all right. Hey, Paul, we have we have like one large paragraph and then two small, uh, small paragraphs. And then we're going to finish our comments up on step two. Could you take care of those? Sure. During these times, relying on the second step provides us with hope and reminds us that we are not alone. If things don't feel right, we take time to think 
and seek suggestions from our sponsor. We trust that with help from other recovering addicts and a power greater than ourselves, we can be restored to sanity in all areas of our lives. We draw upon what we have learned from going to meetings and following directions. We accept that life on life terms may not always be to our liking or more importantly, to our understanding. Down sanity often means that we don't act on our first impulse. We begin to make choices that help us rather than harm us. We work what worked for us in the beginning remains applicable, no matter how many years we may have we have been clean. Once again, we reapply ourselves to the basics of this program. There you go, Lee. Once again, we reapply ourselves to the basics of this program, going to meetings, reaching out for help, and working the steps. Although we may feel despair, there is hope. A power greater than ourselves is always available to us. Along with the hope we derive from working step two, we find that our way of thinking is undergoing a radical change. The whole world looks different. Where before we had no reason to hope, we now have every reason to expect a dramatic difference in our lives. By being open-minded, we've opened ourselves to new ideas. We've stepped away from the problem and towards the spiritual solution. This solution is evidenced by our open-mindedness and our willingness to believe in a power greater than ourselves. We must now go on to step three to develop a relationship with the God of our understanding. Ooh. So before there was flat books, I, it was open-mindedness all the time. That was, you know, on step two, open-mindedness, open-mindedness. And one of the things that I learned very early open-mindedness was summed up as i don't know which was kind of counterintuitive you know we used to do the i have a problem i'm it's not i'm not i'm not my higher power let you know let me get one kind of thing those kind of three flip answers to one two and three it was okay to not know where this was going. It was okay to not have all the answers. And I grew up in a place where that was not okay. You had to have all of the answers. And as a little gay boy, I kind of prided myself on, you know, I was that kid. I knew the answers because I didn't want the public humiliation that was associated with not knowing. And you all said it was okay to not know. And I just, you know, if you're struggling on step two, I don't understand this. I don't want to, you know, I don't know how this is going to go. You are in the right place. It's okay not to know. And, um, and, and continue, you know, because what happens is when I don't know something, I stop. I had, when I was a kid, I used to have model airplanes and they would, you know, you remember you used to take them off the plastic things, holding all the pieces together. And I would get to a place of, I don't know. I don't know where this goes. I don't know how to do this. And I would stop. So there'd be these piles of little plastic all over my room of where I, that's it. As soon as I don't know, I give up. But you all said, it's okay not to know. And you can keep going mind-blowing, fundamental change. You know, that's the thing. The, the, the last thing I want to say, because getting back to the sex and the thing, I had a friend of mine who said the rooms to spirituality and sexuality are right next to each other. And if you go into one room, you better be prepared to go into the other room. So, I, you know, 
after I heard that, I kind of gave myself a little break for my first year. This is all new spiritual stuff, and I want to get laid all the time. And so it also made me forgive all of those newcomers who are trying to do all this stuff and trying to get laid all the time. Doesn't mean I am co-signing anybody's bullshit. All I'm saying is, ah, it makes perfect sense now. And the other thing he used to say is they're both ecstatic experiences. And one of the definitions of ecstatic is transcendence of the self. And that's what this is. That's what step two is, the beginning of the journey of being transcendent of myself, of my wants, my desires, my not enough. And if I can be beyond that, then I can be of service. That's the whole point of all this, is to be of service to my family, to my friends, to the world, to NA. And then I feel better. And I start to balance the scales. Take, 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 take. Come to NA. Give, 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 give. And the scales balance out. So that when I get to the end, Everything's balanced. Well done. Thanks. Thanks for those comments, Paul. What's up, Eric? Yeah, there's a couple, like, keyword in this step for me is could. I don't have to believe that it would. I just got to believe that it could. And that was like a, a necessary stepping stone for me. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I really had to get okay with. I didn't have to jump to complete faith. And I just had to believe that it was possible and to start looking for, you know, sanity in my life. And it was pretty evident to see once people started helping me point it out to me, you know, and just the fact that I'm not, you know, like I use this analogy a lot. Like I used to, when I was using, I was so crazy, but I, I actually knew that there was like two Eric's. There was a future Eric that was going to have to pay the consequences for all the shit, uh, Eric's doing now. I'd be on probation and I knew if I pissed dirty, I'm going to fucking jail. But that's future Eric's problem because tonight we're getting high. And then in the future, I'd be like, fucking past Eric fucked me by getting high. Now I have to sit in jail. You know? It's like I would start doing things that would help future Eric instead of harm him. You know what I mean? Like not doing that shit, right? Not having to, not putting myself in a hole. You know, it was like uh, running up a credit card debt, you know? Um, I would always have to pay the consequence. I always felt like I was digging out of some fucking shit that I'd gotten myself into. I would start not doing those things, you know, and start making a healthier choices, you know. And uh, I like that we accept life in life's terms may not always be to our liking, or more importantly, to our understanding. That was a big one for me. And my sponsor would just say, man, you're just going to have to get okay with not fucking understanding. You know what I mean? It's a process. You're just going to have to get okay with not understanding right now. And, and that's okay. It's like, shit still happens to me that I can't, I don't have a full grasp on. I don't know why. Because I'd ask him, why did this happen? He said, I don't fucking know. You know? <laughs> I don't know, man. What's the solution, man? Keep going to meetings, right? Stay clean today. It's, it's pretty simple. Don't make things worse. Um, I I'm here. So I don't know. I just, the last thing I wanted to say about uh, sexual behavior, if, if you're not okay with your sexual behavior, if you're not okay with other sexual behavior, if you're not okay with your own sexuality, it's okay. You're not alone. You know, uh, you're not unique in that area. 
although it's not talked about often in our meetings, it is an important subject and it's something that I felt very alone in and ashamed to talk about until I finally started being able to talk to some people about it, man. And that was uh, freeing for me. It kept me around here, honestly. That was the thing that was probably going to take me out of here by feel, making me feel alienated, you know, because I would hear a lot of people like to share about how uh, their ideals and what they think is appropriate and stuff, but I, I didn't hear a lot of honest experience, man. The people that I heard sharing or sharing about how, how good they were with that area of their lives, you know, um, how they don't bang newcomers anymore and all this stuff. Or they have never did if they ever did, you know. Um, so it was important for me to find some people that I could open up to, man, you know, and like, and it was a process, you know, and I started with my sponsor and then some other people, you know, and then eventually men and women. And, um, anyway, so I'm grateful. I'm grateful for this program. I'm grateful that I get to, uh, participate here, man, because narcotics are not going to save my life, you know, and I often say like, I don't know that I can't do it alone, but that's bullshit. It's like, I can't, you know, I remember when the pandemic happened and I was working at a restaurant and there was no fucking meetings to go to. And, uh, I had to come online and get on an online meeting and it saved my life. You know, so I'm grateful to be here. Thanks. Eric, thanks for those comments. All right, folks, thanks for spending this hour with us. Uh, your invitation for this week is to find somebody who could benefit from this resource and provide it to them. Love you, folks. Hey, thank you for spending some time with us and walking on this journey. Please reflect on what was discussed and apply it to your life. Share this resource with anyone you feel led to do so and reach out to us. Oh, there's a podcast number, there's a Facebook page, um, and you probably um, have contacted one of the squad already. Continue to do so. Pour into us, allow us to be filled up, and that way we can continue to pour into you. I love you, folks.